Welcome friends, this is Henrik and you are listening to Red Ice Creations Radio. You will find us online at redicecreations.com. Drop by, check out our news and our archive of radio interviews. We also got a new Flash MP3 player with our three latest radio shows for everyone who wants to stream these programs. We also got a few tunes there that you can listen to while you surf the site. So look for the old, big old radio on the left-hand side of the site to access our new player. Today we have Alan Watt back with us for his monthly visit and we are going to kick off this show speaking about the microchip. So stay tuned, important stuff coming up. Also thanks to William Henry for being with us last week talking about his latest book Star Walkers and uh, much much more. So right now let's get this show going. Hello folks, we are just in between the uh, Saturnalia festivities and the upcoming New Year celebration and we're very glad to have Alan Watt with us on the line. And uh, we are doing our third show I guess together with Alan and we're very honored to have him here again with us. And uh, when we spoke uh, last time we just got into mentioning the introduction of the implantable microchip and uh, I'd love to kind of follow up on that today and basically just pick up on where we last left off but of course before we get to that let me just welcome you back Alan to the program and thank you for spending some time with us during these uh, you know holy day seasons here <laughs> yeah it's a pleasure to be here yeah awesome awesome so you know to to continue our talk from from uh, last month what what would you say Alan is is the clear sign that the uh, that the shipping of the the global populace so to speak is uh, upcoming it's not, well, now we're actually seeing in the newspapers, I, I think, authorized columns or writings uh, on this, this very topic. In fact, last week, about a week ago, there was a, an article written in the Toronto Star, and I read it in one of my blurbs. It's up on my site. Mm-hmm. And they went through the step-by-step process of this inevitability of brain chipping the, the public and how it will be implemented um, starting of course with prisoners and then of course the welfare people that's traditional yeah. and, and then working their way up and up and up hmm. and then that coincided with another blurb which I read uh, uh, I read off um, uh, a website in England which is in the forefront of this whole idea with uh, Professor Warwick from from England. Yeah, yeah. And he's the front man that's been chosen to push this stuff because it's quite comical. He's pretending that he's on the cutting edge of technology (laughs) with this this, uh, implants in his arm which interfaces with his neurons, his Mm. nervous system. Mm. And yet they were doing those experiments in England in the 1950s. So this (laughs) is old stuff. So his, his propaganda... Um, spiel is put out there to familiarize us with the idea and to make us think it's still rather harmless and, and primitive. Yeah. yeah, That's what he's doing, because they're so far ahead of that. Uh, in fact, the, the article in, in the Toronto Star uh, talks about the fact that they could um, put a, a chip right into your brain, which will uh, enable computers to inter- interface with you. What's interesting, too, is Sweden has been on the cutting edge of that for the last 25 years. Yeah, yeah, so I've heard. And uh, they were using prisoners, um, 
I don't know what they give them in return for this, but they were interfacing them with computers. And this was in the national newspapers as long ago as 15 years ago. Yeah. Huh. Amazing. It's old stuff, really. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, they have to get the whole population um, sur- under total surveillance and ultimately under total control for what they describe at the top as world peace. Hmm. Uh, do, you, do you think we have a... Uh, if we are to interpret the, you know, the the globalists or, or what we should we call them here, but the, but their plans, uh, do they have a deadline? You think? I am certain they'll have a deadline because the, everything that they do, uh, if you look back into the British foreign policy from the 1700s onwards, they worked out plans to do with continents in India and Africa and even expanding the Commonwealth. And they had certain aspects of it down for 50-year plans for one country, 100-year plans for another. Mm. And you find that same technique transferred into the United Nations where they have plans to take over the entire water supply within 60 years, mm. 100 for, for the food of, of the world. It's, it's a bit ultimately thing to go through the United Nations. There's no private um, uh, farming as we know it. Yeah. And the UN has said on their own uh, site that they will dispense the food to each country and we better keep the populations down because they will not give us extra should a population increase. This is where it's all going, but it's all worked out in 5, 10, 15, 100 year plans. And we saw the same thing in the Soviet regime and the same thing in, in communist China is still ongoing. Mm. So they... The plans that are happening today, the things we see manifest today, were planned at huge board meetings before you and I were even born. Hmm. Amazing. You know, and, and it feels like concerning the... the uh, again, I've mentioned this many times on uh, on, on this program now, but, but the, the thing regarding uh, the increased environmental threat, and this seems to be, at the moment at least, a perfect justification to kind of implement the, you know, all of the surveillance and including the shipping, of course, of the population and also, I guess, a global taxation and stuff like this. And can you see this emerge also in regards to the environmental? With that, that's right. You see, for, for major changes, you either have a, a full-scale war. Mm. War traditionally has been primarily uh, for change. That's the one of the, the, the secondary purposes of war, apart from profit. Mm. And you, you'll find um, Professor Carl Quigley and others uh, who were right up there as advisors to presidents at times. Yeah. Professor Carl Quigley said that the main purpose of war is to change the social structure of society. He said you can do more in five years of war than 50 years of peace on a social uh, scale. Mm. So... When you understand this is an ongoing war regardless, most wars are never openly declared upon the public. Yeah. yeah. They're simply carried out. Yeah. But under, under the th- a threat, a threat from another nation, a threat from outer space, from the solar system, from the sun itself, whatever it happens to be, they can then push us into this long-term plan to get us into habitat areas, no private property, and ultimately uh, a society which will serve the state willingly. Mm. Uh, they've written lots of books about this at university level and higher, and uh, it's no secret that's always been their long-term agenda. Yeah. 
So do you think that they see this this coming age as the you know I've heard this philosophically I guess speaking about as the you know age of order and the age of reason and even I guess in quotes here enlightenment and is this the kind of methods they use to implement you know their version of what order in the in the universe and on earth is exactly for for the new agers that were being groomed from the 1800s onwards. And people don't realize it took a long time to, to even create the hippie era of the 1960s mm. because it started in the 1880s. Mm. And frontmen like H.G. Wells were promoting free love through their books yeah. in the 1880s, and they were paid by the big boys. It, it, it's like getting a, a, a locomotive engine started up <laughs> and moving. It takes maybe, maybe half a century or, or longer to get it up to speed. And then once it's up to speed, they start gradually changing the direction that they want you to go in. And so nothing happens spontaneously in this world. If it happens, then it was planned that way. Yeah. So, so under the guise of, of a global climate change, which they are causing with their weather manipulation. And mm. the, the U.S. actually had a, a, an article in major newspapers uh, this year saying that, that shortly they would control the weather. We would own the weather, they said. We would yeah. shortly own the weather. <laughs> and we're seeing it manifest now with the constant spraying worldwide and the use of harp on top of that because now they're, they're making a, a huge circuit of the, the Earth's atmosphere mm-hmm. and they can direct hurricanes in and storms wherever they wish and they can create droughts as well just as easily. <laughs> this is old stuff which they've signed into treaty yeah. with the United Nations in the 1970s. So this is weather manipulation for warfare purposes. Yeah. So, so what we're seeing here now, I guess, then playing out is a is an essential part of of their of their plan to implement this this uh, global tyrannical system. Yeah, they must convince the public worldwide that the public themselves are the cause of it, <laughs> and then they come forth with their radical ch- plans to save us all. Yeah, exactly. And of course, that means stripping you of uh, of any kind of uh, independence whatsoever hmm. in, in the area of food uh, clothing, heating, whatever hmm. um, that keeps you independent they want to be t- in, totally in charge of you yeah. Sure, I mean uh, I saw just today looking at a, a Swedish uh, newspaper on, on the internet that you know, claimed that you have to you know, turn down your uh, heat basically in your houses if, if uh, you, know, you and your kids are to survive because Everything was will be in total ruin by 2000. I don't know what they said, 200 or something like that. But it also feels like they're they're not saying like it, it's it's going to be implemented by let's say five years down down the road. But because if they did that, people would you know kind of I guess give up on it and say well it's too late. Now they give this date like it's something that will affect your uh, grandchildren or uh, or grandchildren's children or something like that. So people are still in fear mode, but still feel powerless to kind of react uh, in, a, in a coherent way to this threat. Yeah, yeah, primarily because we never are presented with all the facts. In fact, we get very little in the way of facts. Yeah. But when you watch, and you've watched for years, the, a lot of the main players, you see the real men with power, and Professor Carl quickly mentions this, those with power are never elected by the public, so they're not responsible to the public. Hmm. Like the, the Henry Kissingers hmm. and the advisors. Uh, Maurice Strong is a very big one. He's, he's been working for the Rockefeller Foundation and the United Nations all his life. Hmm. 
And when you watch where they move this man and what his job is, you will get uh, a glimpse of the plan 20 years before you'll see it implemented. Hmm. In the 1980s, he was pulled off of the United Nations for uh, the World Bank uh, for a, a period of uh, two years. Mm-hmm. And strangely enough, they put him in charge of Ontario Hydro, which is electrical power for the whole of Ontario, Canada. Mm-hmm. And while he was there, he set up the process of privatization. Mm. And this is standard, too, to get the public to build up the public works, mm. and then they sell it to peanuts to each other. Yeah. Uh, this is standard. Yeah. I've watched this my whole life in different European countries. Yeah. But Maurice Strong, also in the late 80s, um, was advocating special relief funds and taxation to big corporations to put in massive diesel generators with no explanation given except that in the future there would not be the, the public power supply as they have come to know it. Hmm. Well, he knew that back in the 1980s. He was working on that. Hmm. Yeah. You, and, uh, by the way, what, what's your take on, on, on nuclear uh, energy? Is that something you think we, we need, or do you, do you think that this is uh, one of the most, you know, is, is there something else behind nuclear energy? What what? Or do you think there's something to it at all? Because it seems to be a very, you know, destructive force to kind of get uh, get energy, basically. It's destructive. However, I think that they also have plans to use that for space travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're not doing it already, which they probably are. Yeah. And that may have been the real reason for it, in fact. Hmm. Because they have so many um, higher sciences that we get glimpses of. Yeah. But we're never given access to create much cheaper energy. Um, but again, you see, when we stop thinking that the, the governments are there to serve us, and, and we look from the other side, the other point of view, mm. from the governments, the real world government, it, it's already here. Yeah. From its point of view, uh, when they're after total control, they're not going to give you anything that's free, uh, that, that enables you to be even freer from them. So they will never give you any alternative form of energy. Hmm. Whatever they give us will be under their direct control because they must always be in charge. You know, we have we been kind of handed, uh, I guess, civilization or, or parts of that, I guess, is industrialis- um, industrialization because could, is, is it fair to say then that there is kind of a, this more uh, occult agenda, you know, behind why we at all kind of developed or why we were handed, um, you know, um, industrialization. I have no doubt on that. Um, One of the telling periods of history was in the 1500s. Up until the 1500s in Europe, things have always been done by manpower and horses and horse and carts and all this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, for the first time in Queen Elizabeth I's court in England, there was an op- she was the first openly Rosicrucian Masonic court mm, yeah. in the world. They were openly uh, occultic. They used Kabbalah mixed with Christianity yeah. and much more older esoteric material. And <clears throat> the, the main thrust at the time was towards the sciences. For the first time, science took precedence. It's as though they had woken up and realized they only had 500 years to complete their mission. <laughs> and all this money uh, was going into into research. 
and inventions and uh, prim- and again two even greater war machines and technologies yeah um but you could even go further back to a predecessor a relative of Francis Bacon in the 1500s who also was into all of this scientific stuff and you'll find another Bacon who was a, 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 a he was a monk mm-hmm. and in England and he's the guy who basically developed the cannon hmm. so he's a holy man who developed warfare, uh, more, more advanced warfare techniques <laughs> to help Britain build up its empire through the navy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a thread of what they call the underground stream in the old occultic language, mm. which is a knowledge that's passed down through research, which is always kept quiet uh, for, to the public because the public are not allowed to share this power. Yeah. All knowledge is power, so you keep power secret. Yeah. And... But from the 1500s onwards, all of the thrust took was towards um, scientific inventions. Hmm. And money was of no uh, prob- uh, problem at that time, right into the 1700s with steam engines. Uh, big money was behind all of the research to get this on the go. Hmm. And they seemed to know exactly where they wanted to go with all of this. Hmm. Uh, electricity was not new. They understood electricity, um, even in the 1500s. In fact, you can go back to, to the days of the Etruscans mm-hmm. who built the labyrinths under Rome before Rome existed. Yeah. Hmm. And the Etruscans used to be called uh, down on special days by the Caesars to put on a display on public holidays. And <clears throat> they would call down fire from heaven. That's what they said. Amazing. So they understood uh, that. Yeah. And they also... Um, used to, on certain days when, when, when there were storms going, they'd go into the temple of Jupiter, and the priests would uh, um, line up together. Mm-hmm. And when lightning rods, long before Benjamin Franklin was given the, the honor of, of inventing lightning uh-huh. rods, yeah. uh, they would have uh, lightning hit the, the top of, the, of the, these towers, transmit the current down, and the statue of Jupiter would light up. <laughs> and those around it, them would actually, their hair would stand up with, with, with the electrical force. Amazing. And there's even records of some of the priests dying when they were all holding each other and they touched the idol. <laughs> so, uh, uh. The, the, you know, electricity was not new. Yeah, yeah. And it certainly was understood by the Etruscans who knew how to manipulate it with almost a Tesla uh, technique of flying kites with mm. wire, uh, braided wire coming down from them. Yeah. Uh, that was understood then, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because that, that's one of those, you know, uh, as, just as you say, um, when um, Benjamin Franklin, the, I mean, the, the classical thing, I think, wasn't he allegedly, you know, he had a, a, a kite, which is called, uh, we call it drake uh, or dragon here in Sweden, and then you have the key. Uh, didn't he have a key hanging under the uh, the, the kite? Yeah, that's a, that's a Masonic play, actually. Yeah, exactly. Opening yeah. the door of heaven yeah. through the lodge. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, what you'll find with the, with the higher masons who work towards this agenda, mm. they're always given the honor of inventing something, even when they didn't. Hmm. Yeah. So it was an honorary uh, thing. They all wanted, even um, uh, Thomas Jefferson, he was way more into inventions than Franklin, mm-hmm. especially to do with cryptology and, and cryptology machines, very intricate machines, mm. which are on display in some museums in the U.S., mm. 
uh, very intricate machines, uh, almost made like clocks, and um, many, many codes. So they understood codes, yeah. thousands of uh, special codes that the public were never given access to. Mm. Fascinating. And, and, you know, I want to tie back a little bit to what we begin, uh, what we're talking about in the beginning. Um, you know, there, there are also reports coming out that there are, you know, currently developing... Uh, brain computer interface technology and um, also of course this is about connecting uh, the brain I guess directly to the internet and ca- can can we kind of also interpret this as kind of a I mean this if, if, if not nothing else this is certainly you know a, a very <laughs> matrix type quality to these kinds of reports right absolutely and those talks that are given now and little bits in newspapers are more to familiarize us with the the inevitability of it. Hmm. Because what they're telling us is old stuff. This stuff was done years ago. And even Sony, um, about 12 years ago, admitted in Japan that they had taken human brain um, tissue and grown it in um, uh, specialized fluid and, and almost like huge petri dishes interfaced them with silicon chips and they could transmit signals right through the chips to the brain and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So this is all old stuff that they're telling us. Yeah. They want to familiarize us with the idea. I mean, um, c- could we play with the words regarding what, uh, you know, I- Internet, of course, is wor- uh, referred to as the World Wide Web and there, there seems to be a kind That's of right. suggestion there that there either is a spider in there somewhere or that we you know, easily can be be trapped in this web. Do you think that this is intentional? Why yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I mean, uh, the whole. See, we live in an occultic world. Yeah. And we're given an exoteric uh, reality, and even www on the internet is six 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 in yeah, Hebrew. Exactly. <laughs> so, <clears throat> and yes, you have the net. They call it the net. Yeah. Uh, and it's the internet. You bury the net. <laughs> Interface. Once you're all connected, you're, you won't be an individual. You bury the faces. <laughs> We're all one. Uh, so this is all occultic terminology that's been spoken out, because in the reality, when we speak it out, we make it so yeah. for them. Yeah. Um, and, and net is also ten backwards, which is your binary code for this new language, which we'll all uh, learn. We won't even have to learn it; it'll be downloaded into us. Oh, that's interesting, because of course, t- yeah, ten is is also one and zero, which which uh, as you say. Yeah, exactly, the binary system. Amazing. And uh, I can't remember if if it was Michael Sorian who first brought this to my attention, but regarding, you know, the, the, I think we could say that the magician's hat and the, you know, he got this little wand of his. Mm -hmm. um, And if you kind of uh, interpret it in a symbolic way, uh, you guessed that the hat could be the zero, and the, and the um, you know the um, the one is the the number ones. We we got this play again of of creating something out of nothing with ones and zeros, correct? Yes. <laughs> you, well, you'll find even people like Lord Bertrand Russell, a big player in all of this agenda, um, back in the 1920s and 30s, was working on uh, a language of numbers. Mm. Uh, now, he was working for what's coming to, to pass today. These guys work way ahead of time uh, yeah. uh, on these projects. Mm-hmm. So they, he knew exactly that, 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 that where they were going. And we, we always have t- two worlds working simultaneously. We have 
the one in the 1960s with big, huge computers with tapes going for the public to believe in. And even those working with them thought that those were the latest things. <laughs> but in reality, they, they, they were so far ahead. They had micro-circuitry yeah. back in the 1950s. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and, you know, okay, we got, we got the... <laughs> We got the internet now, and and of course it it is, on one level also of course helping us to kind of inform us about all of these things, which of course is a good thing. But there there is talk now and have been for a while, um, and I guess the plans, just as you say, have, have been in the works for, for a long, long time. But the the implementation of something called the Internet Two. Have you heard about this? Yes. Yeah. Uh, do, do you want to talk a little bit about that? What what do you what do you think about it? <laughs> It's the same thing. It's on a, a higher level it, because it's a step-by-step. Step. You train the animals step-by-step step so you don't frighten them. Mm. And you make it appealing um, how, how you're the, you'll almost live in a virtual reality. This is aimed at the young. Mm. It works on the same psychology principle as hallucinogenic drugs. Uh, that's how they pushed the, the drug scene in the 60s was, uh, was mind-altering uh, experiences, altered states of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to push the whole virtual reality at the same way, make it exciting for young people, yeah. and almost bypass the older. This is what they always do. Uh, people who are over 40 in the general population and over 50, they'll bypass you and go straight to the youth. Yeah. 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 And then we have, you know, as, as you say, it's a, it's a youth culture that is is upset obsessed by you know influencing uh, the young people then but then we have people who are as just as you say i guess over 40 who are trying to kind of adapt to the youth system so we have uh, adults walking around behaving like uh, you know teenagers basically yes that's right and in fact that was all part of it because the communism was developed in england mm-hmm. it wasn't developed anywhere else and it was developed and financed by those who already ruled England, the, the, those who had the British Empire. Mm. They created their opposite, the, the, the dialectical process, because working in conjunction, two opposing forces can, through their conflict, bring on the, their actual uh, synthesis. That's what they're after. But you can't do it just one side. You must have two. Mm. And, and so that's what we've seen all down through here. Uh, the control of nature, this goes back to Egypt, when they realized you had, you had summer and you had winter, you had, you had spring and autumn, mm. these were your opposing forces. So you don't fight anything. You actually use nature's principles by, by creating its exact opposite, yeah. bring it across the next stage. Mm. And this is how, how they do it, the, the same, exactly the same way. Yeah, yeah, of course, this is go, goes back to... Uh, the, and the, the communists said that don't trust anybody over 30. That was a slogan they brought out there. <laughs> Like a mantra back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, and, and you know, th- these, of course, uh, as we to, again tie, tie back to what we were talking about uh, er- earlier regarding uh, uh, connecting the brain to, to the internet and stuff like this. And um, it feels like, in regards to microchipping the population, of course, there are a number of. of uh, you know, um, reasons for this, I guess. But one reason, of course, is to kind of the implementation of the, I guess, in quotes, a robotification, basically, of humanity. But on some level, it, it almost feels, um, um, you know, 
what's what's the word I'm looking for here? It feels like it's you know too much that it's it's over the top because basically today we have people on, on some level almost behaving like biological robots already in some sense. I mean we are we are driven by our you know um, emotions or you know the, the the input of the of the signaling basically, and we we we, we you know we react to that. And and why do you think? That we ha- that we have to you know that they have to rather implement the the, the microchip and and uh, you know really put it in us. Is this also more a cult thing? It's occult. It, it, part of it is total efficiency. Mm. See, right now we've got bred in circuses and massive indoctrination, and that's what you're talking about. Really, we're seeing the effects of incredible scientifically designed ongoing indoctrination from a thousand sources every day. Mm working in unison through repetition, repetition. Yeah. And we have entertainment to keep us busy or, or, or diverted. So it's bred in circuses, like they said. Um, the reason that Rome fell was not so much the barbarians coming in. It was that the, the, the Romans could not afford to keep the bread and circuses going <laughs> every day. Mm-hmm. They want efficiency, you see. Yeah. And Huxley said it himself. Uh, Huxley said... Uh, he saw no, saw no reason whatsoever why a scientifically created society and a scientifically dominated society could not run the world and everyone in it forever. <laughs> and that's what we're seeing. So that's one part of it. It's total efficiency. They won't need uh, newspaper reporters and media and entertainment, etc. Yeah. in the future. And, and the second part of it is, is, is to do with the religion of ownership. Yeah. It was back into ancient times because a brand uh, on an animal was, was a sign of ownership. Yeah. And that was total domination of the, of, the, of the animal by the owner. They did the same thing with slaves. They used to brand them. Hmm. And what you're seeing now is the same old religion, ancient religion of commerce, mercantile law, which runs the whole world, yeah. and, and the religion behind it, uh, which must dominate everything on the planet <laughs> and own everything. See, once you're, once you're chipped, you, it's, it's a legality. They now own you. That, and people don't realize this. Hmm. Uh, this is more than just signing your name. Your, even the word sign, to sign something, mm-hmm. is an occultic term. You know, uh, People sign their names all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yet they give you a rule book, which is an esoteric meaning all through it. Mm-hmm. But it tells you even exoterically to, to, to give no oath. Now, when you sign something, that's the same as an oath. Hmm. So yeah. They're telling you not to do it. <laughs> so stupid you if you do. Yeah. That's the way this Masonic system works. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I mean, exactly. I think it was, uh, was Jordan Maxwell, Maxwell who brought out a, a, a Roman, I think he called it a maxim, that... Um, he who can be fooled, uh, you know, let him or something like that, implying yes. that, you know, if you're stupid enough to to uh, buy into this stuff, okay, that's your problem, not ours. That's right. This, this whole system is a, an incredible con game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost anti-human because those who understand it perfectly understand us with our emotions perfectly being because we are human mm. while they themselves do not feel guilt or, or any of those emotions that we feel but they understand how it works with us <laughs> so what why 
and emotion to them is is very very inefficient. Yeah. Do you think that could could we claim this as as a, as a religion for for these people? Because I mean, who 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 are these people who basically can you know disconnect their own emotions like this? Are, are these people also incredibly you know manipulated? Is there mind control involved here? I think is is to do. If we jump all the way back to ancient Greece, and when you realize it was no different the way that, that news was presented then, apart from the technology, than it is today. When you read some of the old philosophers of Greece mm. expounding on something or a technique and saying they would like to implement this technique to see how it would affect the people, mm. it's just like today when they, when they announced that it had already been done. <laughs> and when Plato talked in the Republic about the perfect world state, mm-hmm. with everyone being obedient to it, he went into selective breeding for specific, specially bred types of humans. Yeah. Now we always think he's talking just about the workers, but the upper management themselves are specially inbred. Yeah. So if you want someone to be psychopathic to an extent um, and have a lack of emotion. Mm-hmm for a high-level bureaucratic job, mm. which is more important than uh, a politician's, because the bureaucrats work there their whole lives they're through different, uh, different parties in and out of parliaments. It doesn't matter. The bureaucrat's there for life. He knows the agenda of his department, and he works quietly away at it, hmm. regardless of who be, is affected by the policies. Yeah. Yeah. And you can breed emotions out of people the same way as you can physically alter them, you can actually breed emotions out by selecting the, the right male and female and interbreeding them down through centuries. Oh, interesting. So we could have, uh, you know, similar to as we do with, uh, uh, I, I guess that we, hum- humanity, have, have been doing with, with dogs for, for, you know, hundreds of years now, breeding them with, you know, each other and develop this line of, of, uh, of, a, of a dog that, that is according to your needs, so to speak. Yeah, if you want a, a, a well-managed, uh, happy dog that, that gets on with a family, you get a Labrador. Yeah. If you want something that's a bit more vicious or has the, the capacity to be vicious, you, you'll get a guard-type dog. <laughs> and you can be pretty well sure when you buy a pedigree dog as a puppy um, of the personality it's going to develop because it's so inbred. <laughs> and it's the same with people. If you want psychopathic types who would have intellect, you can certainly breed them up for intellectual abilities. Mm. Um, not general intellect either. They're specialized. If you want a good mathematician, you will breed them up with a, a woman who's a good mathematician. Then you'll inbreed or outbreed certain qualities to get the perfect personality that you want to go with that. I guess that and would it's be... the same with any kind of science. Yeah. And I guess that would be, you know, China, I guess, would have the... Uh, and I, I, I guess parts of of, uh, of uh, Japan also because uh, you know that they're kind of what I what I can pick up from over there that are developing this kind of you know corporate civilization basically where you live for uh, you know the corporation and I don't know if they you know pick pick your partners for you <laughs> at this point but uh, yeah well this is how it works in fact this works in masonry too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a first-generation mason cannot go beyond the 33rd degree. Right. Now, what they do is the Grand Master um, will approach you and casually say something like, come to dinner, 
I'll introduce you to this nice young lady, etc., etc., if they want you. Mm -hmm. And if you take the hint, when he suggests that this person will make a good marriage partner, that's an order if you're wise. Mm -hmm. And that's what they say, a word to the wise. When that, when that is said, you're hearing an order. Mm. And if he marries that woman, that means that she's been selected through uh, interbreeding through Masonic families as well. Mm -hmm. Now, your offspring with that woman can go higher. They, they can go up to the 45 de degree, yeah. um, second generation. The third generation can go the whole way. Mm. That's yeah. what it means, yeah. um, the third generation. Okay, interesting. And, you know, uh, quickly a side note here. Can we connect this also with, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of, uh, I guess, in, in the Hindu religion and, and also, I guess, within uh, Islam, where they pick, you know, your partners for you. Can we pick up a trace from, from that there also? Absolutely. In fact, you'll find that pretty well all the religions that we have can be traced back to India. Yeah, yeah. You talked about all this. All of them. Yeah. yeah. So this Many of the stories, that were, and even in the Old Testament, were borrowed right out of the, the, the Hindu religion. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. And, you know, Alan, I, I've heard you mentioned, you know, that there are, uh, and I've heard also others, of course, but, but I think I, I've heard it from you first, that there actually are 360 degrees in, in, in yeah. Freemasonry. And have you, you know, have you stumbled upon any uh, uh, any documents for this? Because I haven't, haven't, you know, seen it from, I guess, from within the own, uh, from internal, I guess, sources, you know, Masonic documents or anything like this. Is have you, you know, kind of? Yeah, you, you'll find them in certain branches of Freemasonry. Okay. Um, where they'll talk a little bit more openly about it, uh, especially if they want younger ones to go in. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the OTO, the Order Templi Orientis, mm -hmm. uh, which is chartered, it, it has a Masonic charter from the English Grand Lodge. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the OTO goes up to 96. Yeah, I've heard that, yeah. And then you have other ones, and that's in their own writings. You can send off for them, in fact, they'll give it to you. Ah, um, hmm. And there's, there's higher ones above that. See, once you get into, you've done the York Rite, and you've done the Scottish Rite, and you become the Odd Fellow, mm -hmm. and you join these organs, now you're, you're, the sky's the limit. You go on and on. The ones who are still in the lower orders are not supposed to even know there's anything beyond what they're told. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they themselves are a good front, a, a good unwitting front. Um, in fact, they'll defend Freemasonry to the last at the bottom, even though... The, what they've been fed is a lot of lies. At the yeah, bottom. yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's, it feels feels like it's, it's it's basic psychology because, you know, if you are you know on the on the inside or a part of this, I guess you could say you know that that you you have a sense of feeling that you actually know what's going on because you're on the inside, and then yeah. you know a person comes from the outside to trying to tell you something you know about the lodge or something. I mean, I, I guess it's a huge you know stamp on the ego for that person. So. Yes. <laughs> And see, then above the, the usual orders, you come into the noble orders. Mm -hmm. And once you're into the noble orders, uh, you want to get knighted by the Queen of England. I mean, yeah. I guess Kissinger went and got knighted from there. Yeah. The, the ex-mayor of New York after 9-11, he got knighted over there. Bono just got... These are all American citizens. Yeah, and Bono just got knighted, right? Yeah, because he's helping the world bankers to keep their debt scam going. Yep. <laughs> and... Um, uh, so, so yeah, you know, even the top of the mafia bunches that, that, that want to be knighted, mm. uh, which seems weird at the time. Bronfman, 
uh, all the Bronfman who started up the Bronfman dynasty. Mm, yeah. Uh, through the, the the prohibition era, the gangster era, mm. he had millions, uh, billions of dollars, really, and the drugs too that he pushed. He used to give massive uh, amounts of money to charities that the Queen subscribed to. <laughs> and to his dying day, he, he really thought that he had a chance of being knighted by the Queen. That's all he wanted. Yeah. So there's, there's a bigger ritual involved here of getting into a much higher form of masonry. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's yeah. obvious when, when, when even the Mafia side want to be knighted by the Queen. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I, I just briefly would, would like to touch upon, uh, because I read an article the other day that, you know, uh, stated that uh, if you're, you know, there, there are new lodges and stuff like this popping up now and then. Um, and uh, they were speaking about, you know, the, I guess they were speaking about the, the rights, you know, to start an order, because we have a name, you know, they call it the accepted right of Freemasonry. Implying that is it is accepted, I guess, in the Grand Lodge or something like that. But you know, do you know how how this works? If 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 they are, you know, can they buy the rights to this, or the, you know, is this um, relayed through the Queen or what's going on? Or do you know anything about that? Well, the, the Duke of Kent, the, the that lineage of royalty, um, the Duke of Kent, is the cousin of the Queen, traditionally is the head of the Grand Lodge of England. Mm-hmm. And it's the Grand Lodge of England that gives the charters out to every other worldwide lodge. Oh, okay. And at one time they thought the Grand Orient of France was a was a different lodge, but it's not. That they were also given their first charter by England. Hmm. Interesting. So even the ones that seem to fight each other in history all come from the same capstone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, I, I saw a, a speech uh, with the Queen. I don't know if it's an annual thing she she does. Uh, but by the way, she she is the Queen of of Canada, also, right? Uh, yeah, the whole Commonwealth, Australia, New Zealand, yeah, um, parts of Africa, uh, uh, even even some of the, the parts of India still claim to be part of the Commonwealth. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and and anyways, in, in her speech, she. Uh, you know, she just regurgitated basically uh, what was written on a paper, but it, it was mostly about different kinds of legislation and th- things like this. And one thing that came up again and again is is the um, the concept of antisocial behavior. Have you heard about this? Yeah, that, that's right. Because where they're going with uh, with the terrorism laws, and I knew this was a real purpose of them. Uh, the terrorist laws are going to encompass everything in your life, including your opinions. Yeah. Uh, Or if you're not, we usually call it political correctness. Mm -hmm. And if you're not politically correct in in a certain area, then you're a potential terrorist against this group or that group or whatever. So everything is going to boil down to terrorism, and therefore we must all be social, uh, very socialized. And of course, it's the top that defines their version of what a good, well-adjusted socialism is. Yeah. As mm. someone who has no thoughts of, or opinions of their own. Oh, my God. I mean, I, what do you think they will, at the beginning, of course, they will just, uh, I guess, have this implemented through, you know, consensus trends, I guess, just hammering this enough in the media and people will start to behave. But we have, you know, these kinds of things now where where cameras are um, able to, you know, shout at you and stuff like this. Yeah. 
and this is yeah, that's right. You'll be you'll be singled out in a crowd. Yeah. Because they they also have boom microphones, very advanced, which can pick up your conversations mm. on those cameras, and at up to two hundred yards, they can pick you up as clear as could be. <laughs> and if you're making an off-hand comment or maybe a joke about something, uh, one day a camera, a screen is going to pop up, and and your face is going to be on it, and they'll try to shame you publicly into into repentance. Oh my God! You know and. Uh, another thing, of course, that kind of that I think kind of ties into all of this is, of course, the you know the the dumbing down in general of of the population. But on top of this, we have you know stuff going on like, of course, the the general medication, of course. But beyond that, we have uh, the food issue, and of course, we have uh, stuff like fluoride and and aspartame, with which allegedly you know affects your your uh, both your judgments and also, of course, your ability to, to kind of uh, connect and, uh, in a coherent way things that actually is going on around you. Have you have you heard about this? No doubt on that. In fact, uh, even with the heavy spraying, when they're spraying heavily, mm. and it's unmistakable when they're doing it. You can you talk to people and they'll um, you'll, you'll find they have sticky thinking. They have trouble recollecting. Mm-hmm. And they'll admit it to you, even the younger ones, they have a hard time thinking through it, so that a fog in the brain. Yeah. And so we are being affected by that, along with the genetically modified food. Yeah. Um, and along with all the inoculations we've been getting, this has all been done by design. <laughs> and if you were on their side at the top, and you, you looked at this master battle plan for the world, you would use all of these techniques to, to give yourself a docile a not too bright population as you go through the major changes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in some sense, I mean, uh, the, I don't know who it was who referred to us as useless eaters. Was it Kissinger? Or? Uh, Bertrand Russell was one of the first ones to publish it. Yeah. Hmm. Useless eaters. Yeah, but uh, that was discussed at the big think tanks a hundred odd years ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it feels like, you know, they're intensely on one level also, you know, dumbing everyone down to kind of, you know, justify it in, in their own sick mind, I guess, that they're, you know, doing the right thing because we are, you know, incoherent and we can't, uh, you know, adjust to um, all the things that have to, you know, go on in their new world order, basically. Yes. Hmm. And when you realize how long in the planning this, this you see, here's the thing, even atheists have a, a, a problem here because um, they look at the New Testament and in the New Testament, you have this, this very mystical, occultic language used in Revelations. Mm-hmm. The only book where, they, where you're seeing the mystery religion, the language of it, at work, openly. Mm-hmm. It's written in such a, a, an obscure way to the, for the exoteric to understand. Yeah. But it's the standard mystery religion, based on time, because it's all to do with uh, astronomy, and you see the constellations are the best time clock that you have for long-term planning. Yeah, yeah. And you have the ages. Uh, and, of course, we saw this when George Bush Sr., at the start of the first Gulf War, yeah. said, <laughs> I see a new world order coming into view. Indeed. And he said, um, he said, it's all going to the heavenly plan. Well, that's what he was referring to was the constellations of the age of Aquarius when they were to push forward with 100% of their might towards the completion. In Revelations, which is revealing, 
and and when and it, it's also revelations to reveal. If you look at the definition, also means to reveal. Mm. So as you give out a meaning, you're you're veiling the truth it, from the from the profane those who don't are not too bright to understand. Yeah, yeah. But you can't figure it out. And in Revelations, you have the sequence of the timetable, and they could safely say when they wrote that that at the end, no one could buy or sell without the mark of the beast. Hmm, yeah. You and see? do you think that that is the, the microchip? They have uh, no doubt on it. They knew all that time ago that the power of money, which for... See, money pays for all research. Mm, yeah. You direct the course of the world by the grants you give off to, to scientists. They only go in the directions they're told to go in. Yeah. Even when, when, when uh, you go in, off in any tangent, you would starve unless you went the way they told you to go. Yeah. But they understood thousands of years ago that they could buy all the brain in the world uh, with, with money. Yeah. And, and, and they knew that, that through uh, experimentation and so on and directing the course of the world, they could pull this off by the age of Aquarius. Hmm. You know... That's interesting because it feels like, um, just as you say, they they're also at the same time are able to use you know the the best computers in the world, which basically yeah. at this point is the human human brain, and and that they have compartmentalized you know the the sciences in such a way that they that they are able to you know extract exactly what information they they want to from from you know the the, the work and the research that is being done by all you know <laughs> these millions of scientists and then. They can put together, you know, what parts they want you to, to build their, you know, machine or whatever. So it's very Absolutely. brilliant. And if plan. you're always using warfare, then you're always in charge of secret warfare testing laboratories too. Yeah. Which are always a, a way ahead of the rest. Yeah. Because they have unlimited funding. <laughs> so it's not such a big deal to realize you can plan the future if you already own and you've pulled the first con, which is money in itself. Yeah. And yeah. get people to accept money and stop working to exchange things with each other and accept money, you now already dominate the world. Amazing. And I, I mean, there, there must be some kind of, you know, um, talk, I guess, going on at the top, you know, that there are, they on, on some level, you know, consider themselves as gods, you know, when they have the power to, to control and manipulate the, these vast amounts of people who basically, you know, worship these people on, on one level. Yes. Uh, they, they control the whole world, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's heady enough <laughs> if you were one of them. Yeah. Just to know that fact. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, you are part of... See, what is a god? Let's, let's break down the definition of a deity. Yeah. A deity is not common. So the people are called commoners. They mm. marry in common. They do not have their wives or husbands selected for them. Yeah. Whereas the elite have always had a priesthood, still, and still do, who obviously take incredible patience and time to go through genealogies to match them up for, for specific reasons. Mm. So they're not commoners. Gods are not commoners. Um, gods have the power of life and death over the populations. Yeah. Well, they have that through, through everything that they own, including the food supply. Hmm. Uh, they, they already have that. Gods can create life or, or, or forbid it to be born. Um, they can do that scientifically today. Yeah. They can create life. They can also mandatorily, if they wish to, abort. They can force it. 
Yeah. So under the definitions, and again, gods generally, at, in, in their perfect state, would become immortal. Now, in their inner religion, they've always believed in reincarnation at the top. Yeah. But not, but not generalized reincarnation. They believe, and you'll find this in the Roman um, uh, histories too, they wrote probably more about that, along with the Greeks. They believe that their, their spirits are connected with the soul, that's completion, body, soul, spirit, your first trinity. Mm. And when the soul was complete with the spirit, then you were technically a god. And when you died, that completed spirit could reincarnate into the same family lineage, <laughs> or say into your grandson or your great-grandson. Oh. And they really believed that. And the yeah. Romans kept the lares going, the spirits of the household fires, <laughs> and they would pray to them. They believed they were praying to their own uh, ancestors, and they believed they were the reincarnations of their ancestors too. You see, that, that's a very interesting point, because uh, I, I've elaborated on this myself uh, quite a bit in regards to you know, why the, the uh, interbreeding is going on. And if, if a soul kind of, uh, I guess, is, is connected to a certain kind of DNA, which makes, I guess, you know, that it attracts a spirit, I guess, a certain type of DNA, then just exactly as you say, if, if they are able to you know, keep the DNA line within a family, they, they basically can have, you know, uh, the, the older spirits, I guess, who have passed away, like the grandmother or grandfather, actually reincarnate again into yeah. the line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a fascinating idea. In some of the more higher occultic books, mm. they, they go into this in more detail with their mm-hmm. history of it. All right. And what they claimed was that they were the ones, the rebels, uh, that were cast here. Yeah. And when they came, they were pure spirit, pure spirit, perfected spirit. Mm-hmm. They claimed that the commoners were already here. Yeah. And huh. when they came here, they, they, they formed the first perfect bodies for themselves to inhabit by pure willpower. But when they started to inbreed with the, with the people who lived here already, they've lost certain powers. Yeah. So, so they had to go back to keeping lineages and, and back to inbreeding with each other to try and regain those powers. Do, do you think that there is you know, any truth to that? Or is it you know, self I know that many of the, those at the top believe it themselves. Yeah. Um, you'll also find, for instance, uh, in the ceremonies to do uh, with the pharaohs, mm. There were Hamites, the tribe uh, that lived, uh, who run Egypt, mm. and they themselves had a when, a, when a pharaoh was dying, they would bring him in to the, to really, to, to the main sarcophagus, towards the sarcophagus, they would lay the sun next to him, and they, they performed a, a ceremony called the opening of the mouth ceremony, very detailed, yeah. very long, yeah. and if the sun was absent, uh, visiting other areas or satrapies, they called them, that they dominated, mm-hmm. they would put the spirit into a statue through the same formula, <laughs> like a holding tank. Yeah. And when the sun came back, they would, would then complete it, and then the sun would be able to carry not only his own spirit, but, but the complete spirit of his father as well. Hmm. And that's what they claim gave them such vast knowledge and intelligence. 
Uh, very interesting, you know, and, uh, and I'd love to continue on, on that theme and, of course, more about Egypt and, and the pharaohs uh, because that's a very interesting era right there. But uh, for now, Alan, we, we are, you know, basically totally out of time here. But before we finish off, tell, tell folks about your website and about some of your, uh, you know, uh, products that you have uh, available there. Yes, well, they can look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and they'll see uh, some of the books I've got for sale uh, some CDs with 12-hour shows on them, mm-hmm. with histories, ancient histories of religions, and also some DVDs there. I'm yeah. making more right now this winter. Oh, excellent. Up there for sale. Mm. Excellent. So it's it's cutting through the matrix. And Alan, uh, again, thank you so much for coming on, and I'm looking forward very much to, uh, to next month. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening. We will be back on Thursday with our regular Christopher Morse. And uh, hopefully Chris will have a second guest schedule to join us during that show. So stay tuned. Fun things ahead. And before we finish up here today, if you are not a subscriber, consider signing up with us. Support this show and uh, get access to our subscriber interviews. Thanks to Fredrik behind the controls. We will talk more on Thursday. This is Henrik Palmgren signing off.